As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back into one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Berg, joined by Nick Baumgartner as always, and uh, Nick... uh have you recovered? Busy weekend for yeah, you out man. at uh, Spartan Stadium there for that <sighs> classic and then Ford Field for... <laughs> I wasn't classic? sure you were coming to Ford Field, <laughs> frankly, I'll be honest. Well, I mean, we, we had the uh, thought that maybe this would be the day that we, we would uh, see something different from the Lions, but uh, it was not. Yeah, no, those weekends always seem to catch up uh, with me at, uh, like, Monday morning. They always hit me. <laughs> I always feel like yeah. I, get, I get through Sunday night, I'm like, I think I'm doing okay. And then Monday comes, I'm like, ugh. Oh God! Like what a disaster! But yeah, no, it was uh, definitely action-packed Saturday, and then Sunday, which we will talk about here, was a um, a disappointing problem, possibly. I don't know. That was not good, not good at all. So um, a lot to discuss as Lions going to buy. None of it good, though. Uh, really. Yeah. But, uh, well, like you said, you know. I mean, I I picked them twice earlier in mm. the year to win games, and yeah. I thought about it, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it a third time. Right. Uh, and I guess, fortunately for me. Yeah, I, I, I know, right? Because, like, but you're right. I mean, it did feel like it set up. Uh, I mean, the Eagles aren't good. I mean, I just... They're not that good. No, no. And no. your uh, your podcast partner on the beat yeah, over Brendan there, Brendan is, Quinn's yeah, an Eagles fan right. and wants their coach right. <laughs> fired already. Right. Uh, and they're not playing that well. Um, or they hadn't been playing no, that well heading no. into that game. So it seemed like one where if the Lions gave one of their, you know, sort of more... Exactly energetic efforts they could hang in there and i mean that's the worst they've played all year and that was comparable to some of the really really bad matt patricia games i mean it was there there wasn't really anything that you took away from that that was a positive that's horrible yeah that was by far their worst effort of the season um and you know there's injuries and all these things going on here and of course there's limitations with the roster and all the things we've talked about before but really the the yes that was listless and that was um that was a bad effort, the likes of which we have not seen this year. I don't think uh, sustained for a full four quarters. And to you know, to be frank, I, I you know, kind of concerning to be honest with you, you know, because as they and Campbell said this either on Monday or um, right after the game, you know, big part of their job, and we've talked about this Chris all year back into January. Like, big part of their job is to keep guys on the bus, you know, and keep guys bought into the program here and keep guys bought into the uh, challenge of 
you know, not taking steps backward, even when it's really rough and, and kind of maintaining that upward trend, even if it's barely noticeable to anybody else. Um, and I think that this was one where not everybody was on the bus and like, that's, that's concerning going into a bye, you know, and I think that for a team like this right now, we heard from guys after the game, like Tracy Walker, who, you know, are going to take this personal and, and you hope for their sake that that, you know, that that's just a blip or whatever. And it's a one-time off deal. But for Dan Campbell, this is a big challenge here. You can't lose these guys. If we see something like that again, like that's a problem. They can't play like that. That was horrible, horrible effort all the way around against a team that you should have been able to compete with. And, you know, that just can't happen. And I think that as they go forward here, you know, that's the first time really that I thought, Chris, that like Dan Campbell, I mean, he owned it, of course, as he always does. But um, that was bad. That was a bad week <laughs> capped off by a bad day. And they need to yeah. erase that one pretty quick. Well, I I think sort of naturally this was a, a break, obviously, because the bye week's coming up. But I also think that just because of the way that game happened, yeah, it does feel a little bit like a fork in the road here because I think the fan base has reached a point where, you know, I think people were generally willing to accept this as a rebuild year. You play the young guys. We'll just go through the, the pain of it all. People are not going to put up with that. No, that was ridiculous. That was an awful game from start to finish. They got out coached. They got clobbered in the trenches, which is where they've held up pretty well. Most of the year. Just terrible in there. Yeah. Just beat everywhere. Golf was bad uh you know the play calling was bad like everything it was everything yeah, and yeah. i don't think like, like like you said i think that you start stringing those together and people start asking questions about the overall exactly. direction of this thing and you know there we're not at a point now uh even at owen 17 i think dan campbell is probably back for another year or two right. at least but yeah if it's zero and seventeen and you get beat by forty every week the rest of the week the rest exactly. of the way, I, you know you got to try and reevaluate at least parts of this, if not the whole thing again. And so that that this is yeah, I mean I think that this is a big moment to see how they come out of the bye and respond. And I you know I guess it, it's fair to say that this is an outlier. Uh, yeah, it is right now. Yeah, but it's right. also been the past two home games. You know, yeah. Cincinnati was bad, and this was worse. So now you have two straight home games coming off those tough losses. Uh, it was each time coming home off a tough loss, and they just didn't respond. And so I think that that is problematic. And Campbell got asked after the game, you know, do you think your message is still getting through? And he said, I think so, but I guess you got to look at that right now because, right. Uh, yeah. he, because of how he played. And I asked Michael Brockers the same thing. Like, you're a leader – in that locker room, do you feel like guys are still getting the message? And he said um, he thought so, but maybe they have to be more vocal about things or maybe they need to change their approach a little bit because I <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, though, that's one of those days where I think, and I wrote this after, it's easy to sort of look at these games and say, well, they didn't try very hard, and sometimes you just get <laughs> your ass kicked. But that one, right, right. they did not try very hard no, in it that never, game. It never showed up, yeah. It just... It never got there, right? Like, I mean, Brockers didn't. No one played well, and and when when they and we've seen this in stretches earlier in the year for when when they when they're like, and they don't have many veterans, but when Anzalone, Brockers, and Nick Williams, and Nick Williams has given them good stuff this year, and I know we've been critical of Nick Williams, but he's given them good efforts. When those three guys play that bad, and they were bad in this game, you know, like 
I wonder sometimes if that trickles down on defense. I don't know. But, like, Campbell had the point about, you know, there are guys on the team right now that we're still sort of, like, trying to figure out what you can handle, what you can't handle. Can you handle more? Can you not handle more? And I think that those are fine things to have. But, like, you know, they loaded up a guy like Charles Harris and he didn't play well. And then you look at a guy like Austin Bryan and he's maybe not as loaded up and maybe he plays a little bit better. And is he not playing enough and is Harris playing too much? Is Derek Barnes not playing enough and is Reeves Maben playing too much? Like, you know, these are questions I, I think that Campbell's trying to answer. But when I looked at that game, you know, that one to me was as much about the guys that they sort of like paid to come in here to help these rookies as it was anything else. That was terrible. You know, that that's what I wondered, you know, because like when we saw... You know, golf doesn't play well. You're you're down to not many veterans left on offense. But when your veterans on defense aren't doing anything either, it's like, uh, you know, that's a hard one to see. And that's why we have to sort of wonder where's that leadership going to come from internally in the locker? Like, who's going to be the guy that sort of, like, puts a stop to it? Is Because it, I, I think it's got to be a collective. And Campbell's a big part of that, too. And so is Aaron Glenn. But, like, that was concerning, yeah, across the board. It was just not good. Yeah, and Brocker said – you know, the player or the coaches can't want it more than the players. And I think yeah. that was probably the most telling quote that came out of that, that I think that they all felt it, that it was, it just yeah. wasn't there just in that game. game. And like you game. mentioned, I mean, Campbell said Reeves Mabin was one of the guys who stood out to him, mentioned him Sunday night. And then he mentioned again, Monday as one, he, he stood out as someone who at least was playing hard, yeah. if not all that well, which is fine, but you're right. I think Brockers and Williams had bad games Anzalone, this was one of his, you know, yeah, he's sort of first. been on the yeah. roller coaster this year. This was back to like yeah. that Green Bay game in week two or whatever, three. Um, missing tackles and holes and not getting out to the perimeter, all those things that he was doing in that game. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you take those guys out. Like I went back and watched. I thought Aleem McNeil actually was all right again, uh, but yeah. there's no one around him right it's not enough and uh like Barnes flew in there a few times and Mm -hmm. but again like you're getting one play uh and and not enough from those guys and like Trey Flowers to me is one that I I think we've all kind of come to the conclusion that the Lions are gonna have to figure out something with him this offseason because it doesn't make sense to keep paying him in the direction that they're going uh and the way that he's playing but that was another game where I know he's not 100%, but he may as well have not been out there. And yeah. so, yeah, again, they got clobbered in the trenches, and it was mostly the guys that were here last year or have been in this league for a while. So right. uh, that makes it hard to kind of move forward from. And I, I don't know. I mean, I I look at the schedule, and I like I think they could hang with Pittsburgh and Cleveland coming out of the bye, but – who knows? If you play like that, they're going to get killed because they don't have the talent to make up for it. Um, no, they don't. And that's the and, hard part, and especially like, with the injuries right now. Right. And you, like that game, you know, the end of the first half, they have a chance to get some points on the board, and Campbell kind of bungles the time management there. And mm-hmm. then Goff takes a sack on fourth and one, and they don't score. And then they come out in the, in the third quarter. They had the Eagles pinned back inside their own 10. It was third down. Julian Okora came close to getting a sack in the end zone, and then Hertz runs up the middle for like 25 yards. And if you go back and watch that play, you can Ugh. see Flowers is one of the guys. You can see like guys looking up at the ceiling, slumping over. Like that was the last moment yeah. where it's like, all right, well, they're that's it. They're done. They don't have it today. So, yeah, right. I I don't know. I don't know 
how you come out of that. But, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting conversation because you don't have anywhere else to go. Like there's no right. Yeah. You know, you can't go to the bench. And I think that I and I had people tell me this and, uh, you know, Campbell takes the blame and, you know, is always going to take the blame. Right. That's just how Dan is. I mean, that's always how he's going to be. And I think that that's genuine. We've talked about this. He was embarrassed after that game. We could tell. Right. I think you. Campbell Campbell does a pretty bad job of hiding his emotions, <laughs> right? right? Sure. And I think that we could tell, we usually can tell, haven't been around him now, and he was embarrassed, and I think that, rightly so, and he, and he showed it, but I think that this is one, too, where I look at Brad Holmes and I say, you, you've, got, you've got to get better at some of this, because there's not enough on this team. There's not enough on the team right now. And if you're asking him, if you're asking Campbell to shoulder all that and sort of like reach into the bag and there is literally nothing there. And I know that, you know, money is hard right now, but this has got to be one that everybody wears. And, you know, they talk about being in this together and, you know, I know that Campbell, you know, was out front and and, and is always going to take those bullets. And I think that's part of his job. I think he thinks or he sees that as part of his job, whether or not they all do, I don't know, but I think that's how he is. But this is one where they all got to wear because there's not enough on the team, Chris. I mean, we've talked about this. Not a, you, there's nowhere to go. Like when someone is struggling, I don't know who they're supposed to go get. You know what I mean? Like you can't bench some of these guys because there's no one, there's no one to put in. And you know, like golf is golf, but it's also like when, when you've got Campbell sitting here racking his brain about, we've got to figure, we, maybe we got to play St. Brown more, the rookie receiver, because we don't have another single guy on the roster that can get open and make a catch. Like that's the situation. So it's hard, but you know, like I think it's one that this is one, where the whole organization has to wear it a little bit because we've talked about that. There were spots on this team that they they went into the season even before the injuries. And we talked about like, you're really thin here. There's nothing here, nothing proven. And if it doesn't shake the way you think it's going to shake, this could be very bad. And, you know, like, I feel like we've sort of seen some of those realities kind of creep up here. And I think that that's important to note as well. Yeah. And again, you know, this is a team that if they're going to win, if they're going to if they're even going to hang in games, when we've seen them do it, they've been really good up front on offense. They've controlled the line of scrimmage and run the ball. And on defense, they've sort of kept things in check. They've did, had good games against the run, at least gotten into some third down spots. And that, you know, that didn't really happen. Some of that probably was that Jamal Williams wasn't available. I mean, he's right, a big that, piece yeah. of that offense and losing him. Like you see, Swift is not, for as dynamic as DeAndre Swift has been catching the ball, they're not getting much with him as a runner right now. And I don't, you know, we can yeah. talk about whether that's scheme or swift or play calling or what, you know, the line, all of the above, but mm-hmm. it's a big deal when Jamal Williams isn't in there. And so they sort of lost their ability to play that game the way that they wanted to on Sunday. Right. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you sort of mentioned it in your opening comments. I think this, there has to be some concern here that even the guys that you brought in here to kind of lead this thing, you're zero and eight. You've had the you yeah. know the Baltimore loss, the Minnesota loss, the uh, the Rams loss to some degree. Like you've had some tough moments here, and now every single game, every single practice, the media is going in there. Well, how do you feel about going zero yeah, seventeen? Right, right. Are you thinking about happen. it? Is it on your mind? And it's yeah. not going to stop for the rest of the yeah. year until well, they get a win. <laughs> and I mean, how? How much do they have to worry about this now that just guys are going to hit Big that time. point where they shut it down, especially the higher paid yeah. guys or guys who maybe are headed to free agency? What are you going to get the rest of the year here? 
I mean, I would, I'd be worried about it right now. If they if they weren't thinking about it before, they sure as hell are now because everybody brought it up to them. <laughs> so, I mean, like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So, like, it got brought up several times. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I mean, I would definitely be concerned about it. And I think that that's the thing where we talk about, like, when you look around on this team for guys that you're like, okay, maybe that guy can come get him out of this, right? Maybe he can help him. You know, the guys that you think about are either rookies or Swift, like a second-year guy. It's just there's not a lot of Hawkinson, but, you know, he's so – at this point, every single time he walks on the field, he's got 37 guys covering him, right? I mean, like, there's only so much he can do. And so there's just not a lot of guys you can turn to. Tracy Walker, I think, is, like, trying to get there. He's working his ass off. Julian O'Quara is trying to get there. They're not there yet, you know, and it's like there's no one to – there's no one to save them. There's no one to come, like, steady the water. That's what it feels like a lot of times. And save is probably the wrong word, but there's no one on this team on either side of the ball that you can, like, turn to and say, hey, man, go, like, can you go settle us down, please? Go make a play. Go do something that gets us, like, you know, gets our feet back on the ground here. Because I feel like that's what we're seeing from these guys is a string of mistakes will happen on either side of the ball, and there's just nowhere to turn, you know? There's, like, nowhere to turn to, like, anchor the thing back to reality. And it just goes right off the deep end and into, like, this place that you're like, what is going on? You're like, how are they this bad? How can they go from looking that together to that bad? Right. And I think that's what it is. There's just nothing there in terms of, like, a veteran. All the veterans that they've brought in here. Man, I don't want to say they've all been disappointing, but, like, a lot of them have been disappointing. And it's not been good. <laughs> And yeah. I think that there's guys, and you know, a lot of them haven't made a lot of money, and some of them are hurt, and so what do you want, right? But like, I mean, hey, you want to be on an 0-17 team or not? Like, that's, I think some of these veterans need to step up too, and I think that's what needs to be uh, maybe hammered here a little bit as they go forward. But that's a delicate balance too, because like we've talked about, you're, you're asking a lot of these guys sometimes. Well, to me, this is the worst part, I think, of them not you know like justin tucker not missing yeah. that kick or yes. minnesota not finishing because yeah. if you're two and six right now i i think it's a lot quieter if you lose a game like that you know it'd of be course. ugly but i don't think you have the panic everywhere um right. about being oh and eight and about you know i i do think i know people criticize i i see it in my mentions all the time and on the comments people criticize the detroit media about being too negative yeah oh and 17 stuff getting into it now probably is a little bit on the I mean, side. Yeah. but there's well, also what else are you gonna this well, is it. happened before you're, this is yeah, the reality like, in front of you you're right. 0 and 8 you got a tough schedule you're not playing well uh are we supposed to act like it's not possible <laughs> so, <laughs> but i think this is the biggest downside to the not winning at least one of those games or maybe yeah. two of them because i think by and large what you're talking about is Sort of what this whole season is about for the coaching staff. Yeah. Let's th- and Aaron Glenn said it. You can't be afraid of young guys. Let's throw them out there. Let's see what happens. And right. so I think that a lot of the evaluation process here is okay. Well, who's when we're falling apart like this? Who's going to step up and lead us? Because we want that guy to be here. Yeah, for the no next matter three what. years. And most yeah. of the I think you know like Anzalone and Raymond and some of these guys they keep mentioning. I think are those guys for them in their minds. It didn't happen Sunday. I think it's happened. Right. A decent amount this year, but I think that that's a lot of the what they're looking at right now. Who's going to step up in those moments? Who's going to help us, you know, make a play when everything's falling apart? And if no one does it, all right, well, our shopping list for the offseason is a lot longer than we thought <laughs> right. it was going to be. But, yeah. 
you know, I think that that, and if you're two and six, you can, you can be a little more liberal with how you, uh, you know, kind of leave guys out there and put them in some tough spots at all and eight that, yeah, you know, no, it gets no. a little tighter because you've got to win a football game <laughs> at some point here. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, you look at the sheet here and you're like, Ragnow's still hurt. Decker's still hurt. This is a team that a lot of those guys that they're paying big money to are in the lines, like we've talked about. Like, right. those are the guys that you're looking to. Like, you know, when I'm sitting here looking at the, you know, the rep chart or whatever of the, of the game, and it's like, well, who's who's the guy that you would look to in a, in a moment to settle you out there on the field someday? And, like, Jonah Jackson, a guard? <laughs> is, is Jonah Jackson going to be the guy that, you know, like... That can't, you know, and, I, and Jonah Jackson's having a really good year. He can't be the guy that, like, anchors your team down. You know what I mean? Like, the answer for them is right now is, like, Khalif Raymond, who plays his butt off, but, like, cannot be the answer to that question. He's just not good enough, talent-wise, to be the guy who goes and, like, gets you out of a jam. And, like, those are the – we're not seeing enough of that. And I think that, you know, they took – they rolled the dice with some of these receivers and they've had some – injuries and all this stuff and that's one thing but I think when you flip it over to the defensive side that's where I kind of like still scratch my head I mean I don't know what they're doing going forward with you know and the injuries and everything else but like Will Harris and Amani or Rory it's just not there I mean they are not playing well those are two guys that I keep looking at too that I'm just like they have to get better they have to come over a, you know it has to be more than it is and, you know, they're not veterans either, but, like, in this situation, they are, right? So it's right. like, yeah. I know they're in tough spots, but those have got to be guys that you're looking to, and they're and it's not there. And it's like, where does it come from? And, you know, unless we see somebody turn a corner in these next couple, I, it's hard to see. You know, it's just hard to see where it's going to come from because there's no sure thing here, you know? Well, I think not to... I do feel like I, I and, and everyone in general probably pins too much on this guy in the first place. But a lot of times when things are going wrong like that, the guy you're looking to settle it is your quarterback. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's not really how this team is built either. Because, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, he's a guy, uh, after the L.A. game, someone asked Dan Campbell what he thought about how Goff performed. And, and that was maybe Goff's best game. And it then was he threw the pick game. at the end. <laughs> yeah. And Campbell said something like, well, he played well enough for us to win with him. And that, you know, that's all you can ask. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of where the bar is <laughs> with Jared Goff, right? Like if he's going to win yeah. games, <laughs> yeah, right. but that doesn't help you really <laughs> no. when you're in these spots and it's 17, nothing. And you're like, well, let's, we, yeah. we could take the three here, but let's try and get seven. We're re- we're reeling. We need a touchdown. Your offense isn't really built to come up with plays in those moments, uh, and your quarterback's not a guy who's going to, all right, let me just rip one into the end zone here. That's not him. That's not him. And so that makes it a little tougher, too, because, again, I do think in terms of just the demeanor that he has and his willingness to go out there every week and play when he's banged up and all those things, I think Jared Goff is a really good guy in this locker room for them. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, because like, we're talking about who's going to pull you up by your bootstraps when you're struggling, yeah, it's, not it's probably not your quarterback. And so that makes things tougher, too. Yeah, and I mean, like, now we've arrived at the issue here, and that's the reality of the situation, is that he is not good enough from a talent perspective or standpoint in this, you know, what you need him to be as an athlete to 
extend plays, to make plays when they're not there, right? That's what you need quarterbacks to do in 2021. And he can't do it. And and so I look at this now and I sit here and say, like, are we going to see this? Are we just magically going to see this happen in the next eight weeks? I got to tell you, I don't see it. I don't see it. So it becomes a question now, a greater question of what are you doing with Goff? Is he actually helping your offense grow when everyone's healthy and out here? Is that is that is that a question that you can confidently answer? If you had everybody healthy right now on the field, would you be feeling better about growth as an off like all these guys getting better with Goff at quarterback? Like I don't know if I don't know if you can say that confidently. Like he's He's there to get you exactly what a play is called to get you sometimes. And it's almost <laughs> never, it's almost never sometimes, more. Yeah. It's almost never more. And he never makes a play when it's, when it's off schedule or time to make a play. And I'm sorry, that's just, you cannot be paid starting quarterback money in the NFL and have those things attached to your game. And I think that you could look at his last like 25 games and those would all show up on there. I mean, that's a lot of evidence and he's not helping them. He's not helping yeah. them beyond the, the beyond the well that wasn't you know that called no you're not you're just running the call and you're really doing nothing else and at that point you look up and you say like he's not an answer he's not helping he's not steadying the ship he's not anchoring the team you know it's not all his fault but by by result of what his position is if that's the situation then he's making it worse and I think that that's how you have to look at these first eight games. Um, period. End of story. Not good enough. If you were at the season ended today and we were giving an evaluation on Jared Goff, we would say the Lions have to move on from him. They have to figure out how to get out of this. That's what we would say. Now, he could change that over the next nine. I don't know, but that's the reality today. And I think that, you know, as we go forward, I think the time has to be up on like, do we have enough to see? Do we have enough on this? Or can we? No. I mean, I think that now you have to have, start having tougher conversations about Jared Goff and what he's giving this team. And what you can do otherwise. And if it's going to be too difficult to get out of, then I don't know what the answer is. But, like, man, this is tough. You can't – can you keep going like this? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's nothing there. It's listless. And, I, you know, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, well, the I mean, the one thing you said I think is entirely true, which is – and we talked about this, I think, leaving the building on Sunday. It's the idea that they would need more time to evaluate this, mm-hmm. I think, is – I mean, I think we knew pretty much what Goff's pros and cons were coming in. As we've mentioned, I think the hope was that he would lean more into those pros yeah, and sort right. of rediscover his game and and all that stuff. I, Don't that see it. obviously hasn't happened. So you you got to sort of reset and say, okay, well, this is if this is what he's going to be, then what does that right. do for us? To your other point, though, I, I tweeted out on uh, Tuesday a clip from as I was rewatching the game. There was a um, a play where I think it was a third down play and now I'm not sure in my head, but, uh, mm-hmm. Deandre Swift was lined up to go oh, yeah. to the far yeah. right on, uh, to Goff's far right down by the sideline. The lions ran flooded that side of the field with three guys. Goff looked to Hawkinson first. He was covered. Goff or Swift delayed for a second, ran a little slant, was wide open. Mm-hmm. Could have gotten 20, 25 yards. Goff didn't see him, mm. didn't throw the ball to him. Uh, everyone who saw the clip, about 90% of the people who saw the clip were ripping on golf. And then another 10% of the people were like, well, Matt Nelson got killed on that play. <laughs> and so right. golf didn't have time. And so I think that there is something to that too, where you say, what would this look like if he had everyone? I think it probably would look more coherent than it does because 
It would. Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, like we talked about how thin the margins were for this team. Those are, I mean, you're two, other than Swift and Hawkinson, <laughs> your two best yeah. offensive players uh, and your two anchors up front. And so uh, getting Decker back, if, you know, they just activated him off IR, we don't know exactly when he's going to rejoin the lineup, but if it's in the near future, that, I think that does help you not just in your golf evaluation, but in your evaluation in total of what this yes, is going to be moving fair, forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's your read on sort of because Decker point. coming back? Maybe yeah, changes Nelson, a lot of things here <laughs> yeah. with God school love, and golf and all that. Yeah. So what's your read on that situation? That's a good point because God love Matt Nelson, but I think it's time for him to go back to the bench. Mm-hmm. I think that, like I think it's time for Matt Nelson's run as a starting tackle uh. to be over. Because it's not, you know, like, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point because, you know, it takes away that extra, like, well, he didn't have time, right? Because, like, and people uh, can continue to get upset about if the Lions moving Sewell back over to the right side and getting Decker back in here on the left side if they want. Like, I think Sewell's going to be fine. I, th- I think you've got bigger fish to fry here right. uh, on yeah. your plate right now, all these things above. But I think the greater point is, you know, you've got, you know, Jonah Jackson's playing his best football ever right now. Uh, I think Sewell is, I still think Sewell's going to be fine. <clears throat> I think he's, I think he's actually getting better and better each week too, a little bit. I think we're yeah. seeing him steady. Um, I do think Decker's going to help that. And I think it's going to take away some of the, well, you had time. And so make a play, right? Like now we're going to see like, a, this is these next nine from Goff. You know, we talked about it like two weeks ago, like I think before the Rams game. Like, man, this is your career. This is your career right here. The rest of the season. Like, you've got to make plays. Step up, make throws. We've seen him do it a couple times. Do it all the time. Like, take whatever. You've got to be able to make plays when everything else is broken down because that's just the situation you're in. Be a starting quarterback. You're making a lot, you know, like either you're that guy or you're not. Like, and I and I think that we've everything we've seen so far. Tells us that he's not not enough, and if it would it would be better if all these guys were healthy. But would it be enough? And I think that that's the question that you have to maintain and ask yourself. It can't just be, is he giving you enough? It has to be, you know, like to get by or to win with, as Campbell said the one day. Is he giving you more? Is he give, is he being a leader? Is he being a quarterback? Is he being one of your best players? No. And so until that starts to become an answer, like. I think we have our answer on Jared Goff, and the contract is the contract, and that's going to have to be something that Holmes has to figure out. But like, I if he's bad all year, and you go into next year and say he's coming back, uh, man, I tell you, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Uh, you yeah. know, like that's the thing. Well, so I, I, I and know. I think that getting Decker back, assuming he's coming back to play games here in the next, well, yeah, minutes, right. Um, <laughs> that's good. Also point. helps you. I mean, I think that. There's obviously a big golf evaluation going on here. I think there's an evaluation of what, how Anthony Lynn is calling this offense and what it's going to be moving forward. But I also think you're looking at things like, you know, they're trying to decide stuff like, do we feel like we have enough in Williams and Swift to be dominant in the run game? Is Should we keep Vitae for next year? Right. Is TJ Hawkinson worth $14 million a season? Like, yeah. I have all these other things to figure out in the next few months here, too, that are sort of tied to getting something from quarterback play that yeah. lets you evaluate that stuff. If your quarterback's just back there and, and not doing anything, exactly. it makes it a lot harder to see the big picture too. So I think that that's also part of it. I, I don't, is your, 
I mentioned Swift briefly. He's now he averaged uh, you know he had twelve carries for twenty seven yards. Sunday when Cincinnati was in, he had thirteen carries for twenty four yards. He's averaging three point two per carry this year. Is there any concern in that area for him that he's just not going to ever be? I mean, people keep asking Campbell, "Well, does he remind you of Alvin Kamara? Is he like Alvin yeah, Kamara, right, or Christian yeah, McCaffrey?" Yeah. And those guys are not averaging three point two yards exactly. per carry. So. Right. Can he take the step there to be one of those guys? Well, I think it's just going to be a matter of he's not there yet, but I think, yeah, it's still a matter of like, I think he can do it, but it's the decisiveness and sort of the consistency with his cuts, I think, you know, between the tackles, because that's what Williams gives you. I mean, and they missed, you saw how they miss him. Right. Um, You know, the ability, and Lynn talks about that so much, like Williams can run, you know, those wide zones and inside zone. I mean, he can do either, but when he... When you put him between the tackles, I mean, he really isn't afraid to put the shoulder down and just run somebody the hell over. And, you know, we know that Swift can do that, but there are times when he doesn't. And there's times when he tries to make a cut and he gets just, like, stuck by a linebacker or whatever. And I think sometimes with Swift, it's still, you know, that balance between um, sort of powering it down and just kind of letting the play come to you, which sometimes he does really well, and it's amazing. And it's like, whoa, what the hell was that? (laughs) Like... And then sometimes he's trying to do too much. And I do think that there's the balance there between doing too much and just kind of letting your letting your natural sort of gifts kind of take you where you need to go. And when he's on and when he's at his best, I think that's what we see from him. And then sometimes when, when he's trying to cut his way, you know, make cuts when he just doesn't have to, I think he gets himself into, into problems. So I think that, yeah, I think that that is something that they're probably, you know, they talked about that with him in the spring. And that was something that I think that they have been hammering on him all year. Like you're really good, but like, you're not even close to being what you could be. And I think that that's something that I'm not, I'm not so sure Swift totally realized when he, when he got here this year, I think he is starting to, you know, based on some of the comments and things we've heard last time we've talked to DeAndre, I think he's starting to get that. But like working with Deuce and Anthony Lynn, I think it's probably helped him see that. I think he probably thought coming to this year, I'm pretty good. And I don't need anybody's help. <laughs> and I think that he's learning, right? Like, yeah, you do. And you could be like outstanding. But, you know, we do need to work on this, that, and the other. And I think that that's for the second half of the season, you want to look at something that's like, man, look at a guy that maybe can turn the corner. I think Swift's a candidate, right? I mean, we've seen what he can do when he's in a groove. I mean, he can change a game. I don't care who you're playing. So concern, yeah, but like I think that they, they're in the right hands. He's got good coaches, and I think that that's still a good thing. I think that's still a positive. And, you know, Williams get back healthy. He's good for Swift, too. Having him there with him, too, is, uh, is a good thing, too, I think, still. What about Jamar Jefferson? What do you think of him getting in there a little bit? Sorry, did I cut off your ad there? The, no, did I ruin our <laughs> we'll, find a, we'll find a spot for the ads. Uh, yeah, that I mean, was the I first th- time we saw him this year. So yeah, and I think yeah. if you're looking for like pseudo bright spots from Sunday, yeah. he was probably one. I, he's definitely interesting. I think he's interest. He always was right. intriguing with the you know, especially with Anthony Lynn, the way he likes to use his running backs. I think mm-hmm. you know, you sort of see that he. Like he's not DeAndre Swift, but he's a guy that could be out there on all three I downs. So. I yeah. mean, I think the big thing with him and one of the reasons he wasn't playing is because in, you know Deuce Staley said maybe the first time we talked to him, like if you can't block for right. me as yeah, a running back, you gonna... can't play. And I think that right. that was maybe as much as anything else holding him back from getting on the field. And now they didn't really have a choice on Sunday, right, so exactly. you get him some playing time. But I, I do think he's interesting. I mean, I if you're 
you know, if you've got Williams and Swift as your one, two, like I, I can see certainly why they would see him as maybe a number three guy in behind that, because I think that if he's going well, he, like I said, you can kind of use him in any spot and exactly. yeah. and get some yards and he can catch the ball and all those things. So I, I don't know. I thought he played, I thought yeah. he played all right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It was good to see him out there. Him and, and Eagle, uh, Godwin, they both uh, made some plays. I mean, that was two guys that they were hopeful for, um, you know, coming into the year. And I wonder if, you know, those are two, although, you know, with Jam- with Williams, like, I guess, Jefferson will probably just have to take advantage of what he can when he's hurt because when he's back, you want him playing. I mean, that's – I wouldn't want to take too many carries off his plate. But, yeah, if Jefferson can find a way to sort of like – that's – you know, we're talking about God, – and, and Godwin too. We're talking about guys that like somebody that can get open. If you can find a way to get guys in the game and just find a way to get them open and help golf a little bit, right? Like maybe that's something that they can – look at as they go forward maybe you know right. maybe it's about playing more two backs you know maybe it's, well, it's about, also you know that there's a thing. special special teams conversation there too because godwin's yeah. been your kick returner he's right. been pretty good on the coverage teams and i don't know that you're getting that from jamar jefferson no. either so when they get down to figuring out who's sitting on sunday i think that that yeah that's typically point. plays a big role on those last like five or ten guys and and so that's part of it too but yeah i mean at if you're zero and eight and you're trying to see who's going to be here, right, you may as yeah. well get your draft Let's pick running back on the field yeah, a right. little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, hell, I, I, I wouldn't hate it if they gave him a game later in the year and just said, "Hey, man, we're going to give you like twenty carries. Let's see what happens." Like, I mean, like those are things that I know you're trying to get a win, and that's like what we've talked about so much this, on this show. Like, man, it would really probably take a lot of this. It would take a lot of the sting out of a lot of this. If yeah. you had like one or two wins, but like you said, like you'd also be able to just be like, screw it. We're just going to give Jefferson the whole game today. And if we lose right. by 60, we lose by 60. It's a little easier to do that when you're one. And just get seven. one. Yeah, just get right. one. And, not and you can do whatever you want, man. <laughs> exactly. Play whoever. <laughs> that's, and that's what it feels like is happening here, right? Like, can we just get one game so we can just say screw it and start like all rookies for the rest right. of the season? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you get the one and this can become like we everyone can just sort of accept yeah. that this is like extended preseason. <laughs> it's gonna be but Tim, until you get Tim that, Boyle and spring training. Yeah, right. right. The rest <laughs> you of just the year. gotta get that one because you cannot go 0 and 17. Right, yeah, that's a good point. And okay. it feels like that's holding them back, yes, for sure. <laughs> I'll I'll uh maybe I guess I'll take the ad break now. Okay. I'll make sure we get it in there. <laughs> I don't want to lose our sponsors. All right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. 
The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, so we've hit on a couple of these topics, uh, Goff and Swift, but I, I just, uh, a little bit before we started recording, turned in my second half predictions for the Lions. I put five things uh, on yeah. there. Um, it'll be up on the site this week, so you're getting a little bit of a spoiler here if you're listening to the show Wednesday. But um, right off the top, I said that they are going to win at least two and maybe three games. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy at this point? We've said 0-17 uh, like a dozen times yeah. now. On this show. I don't think they're going to go 0-17. Um, I still don't think they're going to go 0-17. I think they're going to win a game. I think that they've had too many of those good efforts. Um, they're going to get some guys healthy, I would think. Not everyone. Not enough. But they're going to get some guys back. Um, I think they're going to get... I don't know about two. <laughs> but I think that they're going to get one. I don't think they're going to go 0-17. But I do think it's definitely on the table, uh, you know, because we've, I mean, there are no promises with these injuries once you get, that's the other thing too, to keep in mind, like once you get into October, November, if like a rookie or somebody that's playing gets dinged up, it's like, do you want to keep playing him or do you want to shut him down? So like, yeah. Um, But the other thing to keep in mind, and this is why I could see your, your two or three coming true, is that. There's going to be a lot of other teams that are going to be quitting real hard, real soon. <laughs> right, yeah. Real soon, right? Like, end of November, December, uh, you know, a couple things don't go right. Somebody's out of the playoffs. They don't like their coach. We quit, okay? <laughs> like, that. that's going to happen. And I do think that if the Lions go into one of those, one of those days where it's like, they've got the effort where they want it and the other side just doesn't want it, doesn't, doesn't care, then, you know, I think they should be able to get one. I think they play too hard to go 0-17. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see that happening. I don't know about two or three, but I don't know about 0-17. <laughs> There's a couple games for me that just feel unwinnable. Arizona right, yeah, at home, right. I don't oh, think God. that's yeah, going to be... <laughs> pretty I, at all. I, I mean, that's the week before Christmas. Yeah. I'll probably be finishing my holiday shopping online during that one. Uh, at Seattle, if the Seahawks have anything to play for and Russell Wilson's in there, I don't think you're winning that game. No. So that's two of the remaining nine. The rest of them, though, like Pittsburgh Pittsburgh in week 10, like Pittsburgh plays Monday night this week. They play Sunday night the week after that against the Chargers. They have like one or two games a year where they just don't really show up, it seems like. So maybe you get maybe you hang in that one. Cleveland's the week after their offense hasn't been very good. So that's one. It might be 13 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Right. Who knows? And then you get Chicago on Thanksgiving. Minnesota at home, you go to Denver, like that's three in a row that those, those teams are all are winnable. Not yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you almost you should have beaten Minnesota already. So Yes, yes. You go to Atlanta, like that's winnable the day after Christmas. And then Green Bay, who knows? They might have exactly wrapped up the one seed by then. So then you're getting Jordan Love and <laughs> First Tim Boyle for the dub. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So I mean I think that there's opportunities here. I as I wrote in, in those predictions, like we know this team is bad. Watching them each week and watching them through the summer, it doesn't feel like a historically bad team to me. Like this no. doesn't feel like the worst yeah. team in football history. Like that Owen sixteen Lions team was really bad. Like you understand how they got yeah. to Owen sixteen. Right. This doesn't feel like a winless team. So I, I think you're right. I think that they're 
Maybe it is Thanksgiving. People are circling that one now that the Philadelphia one went by the wayside. Um, <laughs> Next holiday. I think that's a possibility <laughs> for sure. So we'll see. I do think that they'll get something. I don't think they're coming out of this 0-17. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. For everyone's sake, I hope they don't. <laughs> I but, hope, uh, hope we'll for see. their sake they don't. Yeah. Uh, so sort of tied into that, my uh, one of my other predictions was that I said Jared Goff is going to be a 17-game starter for the Lions this year. And before I let you answer, I'll explain mm-hmm. why. Uh, yeah. The big reason is pretty much from the moment they picked him up, we've heard from Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell about Goff's uh, toughness and about his durability. He's only missed, you know, he played through the injuries in the playoffs last year. He's yeah. only missed two games over the past four years. He's a guy who's going to go out there. He doesn't show up the way it showed up with Matthew Stafford, where he's going to run for a first down and lower his shoulder and you know, just yeah. like have to crawl right, back exactly. to the huddle. But he's a guy who's going to go out there every week. He's He has a history now of being pretty durable, playing through some stuff. And I think as we've been talking about, they are still trying to figure out what year two of Jared Goff, if there is a year two of Jared Goff in Detroit, is going to look like. And for me, that extends through the rest of this season. So I think unless he gets hurt, I mean, obviously, like right, yeah. to the point that he can't play, obviously yeah. that changes things. But if he's good enough to go every week, I think he starts every week. Because I also don't, like, David Blau, I don't think, is a guy they're going to bench him for. No. So no. it'd be Boyle. It would be Boyle. We yeah. don't know when Boyle's going to be back either. So I, right. I don't know. Do you you seem to think Boyle's getting one? Uh, well, you know, the, the way when you said this one to me originally, I was originally like I completely disagree. I disagree. I'm not ready to say that yet. But as you explain that, I'm more in line to agree with you that he'd start the full 17. But I would say this: this would be my counter to it. Because I can't, I think I would agree. With it. I think, I, well, no, I mean, this, I think I would agree with you for all the things you said that he probably will be a 17 game starter. Um, but if Boyle is healthy in any of these next whatevers and they get into one of these games against one of these teams, like you talked about, where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a winnable game and Goff is playing like crap. I am not going to cross off the list that they bench him in the middle of the game and put mm. Tim Boyle in and see what happens. I mean, I I don't know if Tim Boyle's going to come in and save the day. I don't know if Tim Boyle's going to come in and do enough to be like, well, that was that much better <laughs> than Jared right. Goff. And that's why I kind of think that you would just go back to the next week and you just start Goff again. But, like, I do think that if Boyle gets healthy again and we see Goff go through another one of these, like, what are you doing? Then I think that we're going to see Tim Boyle get a chance somewhere in here this year. They I don't do like him. They, they like do him like Boyle. him a lot. And I don't think Dan Campbell, if he has an option is going to stand there and watch golf, throw the ball out of bounds on yeah. fourth down anymore. If like, you know what I mean? If there's an option and you can send a message one way or the other, I think he's going to do it. And I think that that's what I would say to that. I still do. I think I would agree with you that like, based on all we're seeing right now today. Yeah. I think he probably would be the 17 game starter, but I don't, Totally want to put that in ink yet? Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I I do see where you're coming from on that because, like I'm, you said, I mean, a year or two is definitely still something that is being evaluated. I mean, some of that is, like I said, that I don't know when Tim Boyle is going to be exactly. back. Like, he we just do, started yeah, we just throwing. Don't. We he threw right. at forget what day we were inside with them this past week because it was raining. But he was throwing on the side like 15 yard throws, mm-hmm. and that's the most I've seen him do. Right, in he two had a rant a couple now. weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Um, and so uh, they haven't started his clock to come back from IR yet, which gives him a 21-day window. So you're still talking like this could be December before he's ready yeah. 
to play right. a game. I don't, or maybe he comes out of the bye and they activate him. I don't know. They do like him. Mm-hmm. I do think he'd be more fun to watch in a short term oh, yeah. window because he'll get out of the pocket and run. And he, based on what we've seen from him, would prefer to throw downfield more than just about anything else. And so yeah. he at least would get some of those chances Jared Goff hasn't been giving you. He's also on a one-year deal. And so if they do like him as much as they say, you probably would like to get him a little yeah, bit of you a look see him. and just yeah. see if – I don't know that he would be you know, your starter headed into next year, but maybe he's a guy you like enough to keep around. So I, I understand going to him if he's healthy. I just – I don't know. They – the. The amount of times that Dan Campbell has gone out of his way to back Jared Goff after these games, right, makes me think that they're. But I think that's I think that's as much because they're, and it's not offense to Blau. I think they like Blau, but like he is not anyone's answer to anything here. Like I think Boyle is possibly possibly a bridge. He's Hmm. possibly a cheap bridge to something else if you want to look at it from that standpoint. Um, but I don't think Blau is. And I think that's the difference. You know what I mean? Like, and I and I think I would argue, like, if the situation arises again where Goff is just like, what are we watching here? Bad, and Boyle is healthy. I think he pulls the trigger on Boyle in moments where he hasn't with Blau. Because I think he's known, like, what what are we gaining here by benching Goff for Blau? We're not ever going to start David Blau. He's never going to be a guy that we're going to go into a season reasonably. I, you know, I just don't, I think that's their, their eval on Vlau is he's a really good guy to have around. He's a good backup. Right. He's a good yeah, guy to get sure. us through a game. He's good for the, he's good for the starter. The st- you know, he's good for the starters mental, you know, and everything is, you know, he's a good guy to be around. And, but you know, beyond that, I, I don't think that you're getting much. So I do think that Boyle would change that equation a little bit in Campbell's head, maybe even in like a front, you know, cause I think there's probably been times where he's been super pissed and it's just like, get him out of the game. But then has to like oh, stop sure. himself and be like, well, no, that's not really going to do. But if you have Boyle there, I, you know, I think, well, okay, well screw it, put him in and let's see what he can do. <laughs> you know, shit. Like, I think that that's yeah. something I could see happening uh, much more than, you know, than previous uh, to this point. And you got uh Pretty close to what probably could be an entire podcast episode of would the Lions have been better off getting one less first round pick from the Rams, yeah. starting a $1 million quarterback, uh, and not taking on Goff's contract. Uh, Gardner I've heard checked that in. a lot, too. <laughs> uh, uh, so, another one of my predictions I made here was uh, I have DeAndre Swift finishing above 1,500 yards from scrimmage, which, as I mentioned, is not a huge stretch because I think. A, it's a 17-game season. B, he's on pace right now for like 1,496, so he's right there for 1,500 yards. But part of why I mentioned it is because Reggie Bush hit that number once as a Lion, and Mm -hmm. no one else has done it since, other than Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders over the past two decades. I think the other names on that list in the Super Bowl era are Herman Moore, Brett Perriman, and uh, Billy Sims. I think that's it. That's the list. There's like six guys. So Swift would be the seventh. Hmm. And so that's part of why I mentioned it, just because it's it hasn't really happened around here. And right. I think Swift yeah. is, uh, you know, we've seen what he can do. I, he should get there. I mean, if I he's healthy, so. there's no reason. I, I even wrote, I think, like, you, he could be a 2,000-yard-from-scrimmage guy, and I don't think anyone would really blink. Like, I think he yeah. has that in him, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's probably a goal that you put on him at some point, you know, it's like you could be a 2000 yard all purpose back. I mean, that's, that's what, 
his role should be in this league going forward. You know, a guy that, you know, like, like Alvin Kamara. I mean, Kamara is special, you know, and I, you know, he's a guy that they load up and no one else is like him. I, you know, no one, no one else in the league has usage. He's like Tomlinson, Ladanian Tomlinson a little bit, you know, in the, in the usage category of just being like a unique kind of a unicorn. But I think that Swift, you know, maybe it's not all the way like that, but I think that he can reasonably shoulder a similar load and be like a similar type weapon that in an, in a lot, there's a lot of offenses like this in the league now that you see where you have the, you know, the kind of, like Lynn talked about, I mean, the guy that can run inside and out and the guy that can really do everything, which is what Swift is. And you got Jamal Williams and you got Swift. If you can keep another guy like Williams around here with Swift, yeah, man, that's pretty good. And yeah, I know I do. I think he's going to get every opportunity to get there. Certainly he's going to get the touches. I think that they're ready for that. I think that they're, I do think that th- this was a positive eight games for, for Swift. You know, I, I, I think he's grown a lot. I would say, you know, if I look back to last year, um, obviously he was hurt for stretches and stuff. And, but I've, if I look back to his good stretches last year, and I look back to what we just saw from him. I think he's, I think he has come a long way. I think he's grown a lot. I think he's getting better. And I think that's, that's all good. You know? And I, I think that, um, as you go forward here, if you're looking for stuff to hang your hat on, if you could get a win in a game where DeAndre Swift blows up, that would be pretty good. People would yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's possible. I think that's possible. I think that's something that you could see this year. And, um, you know, that would be a positive for people as well. I, I think also, I know people have kind of gotten a little critical of uh, Anthony Lynn and, and think he's been too mm-hmm. kind of vanilla with the play calls lately. But I do think that, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of his strengths, getting the running backs the oh, ball yeah. in space. And I think we've seen him design some stuff that's been really nice for Swift. Some of it hasn't clicked because of the line or because of golf or whatever. But I think uh, week to week, those are the plays that look the most creative and the most dangerous of the ones that he's drawing up for Swift, whether it's a two back set or mm-hmm. splitting them out wide or whatever. So I think that that's encouraging too uh, for Swift's numbers and Swift's usage moving forward is that they seem to have a good feel for where his strengths are. And that's, that's coaching. Like that, that's yeah, what you want. You want to find the strengths and you want to lean into them. And I think they've done that most weeks. It didn't happen Sunday, but I think most weeks they've done that. So that's yeah. encouraging, I guess. Uh, you got anything here for the second half of the year? You anything, I won't put you on the spot for predictions uh, once you have one, but you yeah, have any, I mean, anything I, I you're think looking that, forward to? I think Tracy Walker is going to be a guy by the end of the year that we're talking about um, on a on a different level, a, a guy on a conversation, you know, a guy that's going to be, you know, someone that I think we look at as maybe, a you know, an, an anchor captain type guy. And I think we, he, he might already be there. I don't know. But I think that he's a guy that had, a, you know, we just talked about Swift getting better in a lot of areas. I think Walker we've all noticed that from basically since Campbell and and Holmes got here, that he has been a different person and a different player and a guy that's been working real hard to sort of prove that he wants to be part of this. And I think that he's a guy that we'll see, we'll we'll see and hear a lot more from as the year goes on. We've already seen, seen and heard a lot more from him as, as this year's continued. I think Barnes too. I think Barnes by the end of the year, I'm going to stick on that one. I do think by the end of the year, we're going to, we're going to think about Derek Barnes as just like he's starting. He's the guy inside next year. He's going to be, you know, the guy that's ready to take this thing over. I, I think, I think he's going to get there too. Um, and I guess that's what I would say. I think that defensively some rookies, if the health cooperates on Zarike, Aline McNeil, Barnes are three yeah. guys that yep. I would look at and say they're playing well. We're seeing them. We're seeing them get better every week. Um, 
Julian too. I think you're going to have a core of guys defensively that you're going to be excited about. But it's just a matter of like, can you get a couple wins in there? Like you said, to, to, make, to make people less freaked <laughs> yeah. out about that. But I, that's my kind of thing. I do think that you're going to be able to see some of these things defensively that Aaron Glenn sees, right? Like I and I think people have already seen them to a degree, but I think we'll be able to see more of it. Uh, health's got to cooperate. Knock on wood for them, of course, but. I think they're in the right direction in some of those spots on defense. And I think that's going to show up um, more as the year goes on here, especially in those games like we talked about when if you get a team that's quitting, you know what I mean? Like sure. I don't think I don't think Walker and these guys are going to pack it in. So um, that's what I would say there. We can get into a little bit more of this too next week. But what about for Sewell, especially if they yeah. push him back to the right side at some point a good one. and make way for tackle or for Decker? What What's the goal for the last nine weeks for Panay Sewell here, regardless of which side of the line he's on? I think it's to be better the second time around, especially. So, you know, when I'm looking – like when he, when they play Chicago again, when they play Minnesota mm-hmm. again, when they mm-hmm. play Green Bay again, um, I really want to see what Sewell does with some of these guys the second time he sees them. And I really want to see sort of like how he's reacting to some of these – you know, in particular if he sees – you know, like when they played Baltimore and he saw some of those speed guys, like it, if there's a, a couple of guys that show up on the, on the schedule later in the year, if he sees some of that, like how are you reacting – not only to some of the guys that got you earlier in the year specifically, but how are you reacting to some of the moves that got you earlier in the year? Because to me, again, still too much is being fixated on right or left with Sewell. I think to me it was issues that we were seeing from him with like his punch and consistency and just like thinking, right? Like I think he was catching himself thinking too much about one move and and this, that, and the other. So I think for me it's going to be, you know, just keep doing what you're doing in the run game. He's fine in the run game. Yep. He's, he's already exactly what you want him to be, more or less. But it's, you know, are we going to see that second half consistency that we've gotten used to seeing from him in games kind of pick up for the whole year? You know, we've talked about that. Like, when Sewell gets beat a lot of times in games, it's early. It's the first quarter. And then he steadies out and plays better the rest of the game. Now, right, can we see him do that? Can we see, like, three full games where we don't see Sewell have, like, any bad quarters? I think if we can, if we can get a stretch – where we see that from him, like he's going to be on his way and you're going to be, you know, what you want at the end of the year, right or left. And it's not going to matter. I mean, the Decker conversation is one I think to have in the off season for sure. And that's going to depend on how he plays the rest of this year. But like Sewell just needs to be looked at independent of right or left, whatever, who, you know, just get better. And I think he can do that no matter what's happening there the rest of the way. Yeah. I mentioned that the lines both got clobbered on Sunday, but I I do think Sewell played he was probably the best offensive lineman. I thought he played yeah. a fine game. He got beat once on your uh, your favorite Jared Goff yeah, play, the, where the he spins spin. yeah. backwards for no reason <laughs> and turns right into traffic. But uh, other right. than that, I thought Sewell actually played pretty well. And I think that it's, it's kind of interesting because I, when guys get drafted, I don't think we give enough credit to how difficult it is to flip from one side to the other. People always just say, "Well, just put him on the he played yeah. left, so what? Put him on the right," and we just sort of brush it off i think we've probably gone back the other way now where people are talking like well if they move sewell to the right he's never going to figure out either side this is you're ruining him and right, i think no, that I that's think. probably not true either no. i think he can be good on either side i think he can learn certainly some of the mental stuff at least on on either side of the line so i think this is going to make him better i think this yeah. is i think he's the type of guy based on everything we've heard you know you talk to the people around him in college you talk to the people around him now like you know vitai Jonah, all the guys that are playing with him now, like just I think he's the type of guy that this is going to actually help him. I think I think he'll be able to internalize it. 
I think he'll be able to become a better player because he's versatile. Like he, I think that that's what you, I think that's part of what you got when you drafted Sewell, right? Like the ability to, to sort of like there, there shouldn't be any cap to what, you know, he can maybe give you, Hey, if you want to use him at right tackle, maybe he's better. I don't know. I, you know, I think that that was part of what you got with him that you don't, necessarily want to put him in a box. Again, I go back to, I think a lot of the people that made a big deal about this early were doing it so that Sewell would be able to get paid as a left tackle. <laughs> I think they were doing it for his benefit. And, you know, maybe that's what happens as you go forward anyway. But I I think for the player, just for the player itself, like, yeah, I mean, Hank Fraley's not going to put him in a situation that's going to, like, jeopardize his growth if he doesn't think he can handle You know, like, that's not happening here. I don't think that's happening here at all. I, I really don't. I think he's in good hands. He's around good players, and he's a good player, and he's. I think this experience is probably going to make him better. I mean, this, his first half of the season as a 20-year-old rookie was pretty good, right? I think that I would say that it was pretty darn good for eight games in. I mean, would you say the same? I mean, left it yeah. wasn't perfect, but for right. all the things that we've talked about, pretty solid, not bad, you know, all things considered, and, um, you know, excited to see what he can do for the second half. And if it's on the other side, then it's on the other side. I mean, we'll see sort of what happens there as it goes forward. And I just to kind of close out there, I think you're seeing the progress of it too. It's getting better week to week. And yeah. like you said, it's getting better from the start of a game to the end of a game. He mm-hmm. gets stronger as you go. And those are two important factors. So yeah, we like I said, we can talk more about Sewell next week as we kind of tee up uh, the second half of this year. The Lions in, have a bye this week and then go to Pittsburgh and Cleveland back-to-back weeks before the Thanksgiving Home game against what might be a three and six Bears team at that point. Uh, So we'll see. Some opportunities for wins. (laughs) We'll see if they can get one. Uh, You can get the show ad free on the Athletic app. Make sure you get over to theathletic.com and subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, You can also subscribe to the show and rate us, review us. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, any place you listen to podcasts. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, let us know. On Twitter, we will have a show next week. It'll be back on Tuesday. We kind of waited this week to see what the trade deadline held, which, as usual, was nothing. (laughs) uh, So next week, we'll be back at our our regular slot on Tuesday and and get ready for that Pittsburgh game. So uh, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.